So what's been in the news about uh, that's that's been in the news about this particular issue is what's called it's now becoming called the King Charles III clause. So it's it it is a unique time period term assigned to the declaration, which either lasts for perpetuity, that means forever, or in the event that perpetuity is struck down by the courts, excuse me, that the declaration will last until 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England. <laughs> Which is most likely not going to happen. No, it's not. <laughs> no, that's basically a safer way to say forever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. Uh, I'm your host, Ying, and this is my colleague, Nathaniel Leach. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the whole fight between Disney uh, in Florida and with uh, the state of Florida. And before we start, if you like this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. All right, let's start with the history of Disney World. So Disney World opened its theme park in 1971, but back in 1967, it signed a, a, a deal with the state of Florida to make it into a special zone known as the Reedy Creek Improvement District. What it do is basically give it um, more tax benefits so that it have its own um, decision, it can make its own decision on planning. So they don't have to, oh, we need to build a new attraction. They don't have to go to the uh, planning office to apply for premises, that sort of thing, and also save them on tax money. Um, on top of that, they also, I believe, have to pay its own fire department and medical service teams. Hmm. So um, that's what basically the high level sum up of its special zone uh, rights. And to that point right there, uh, it benefited both parties, both Disney as well as the, the government of Florida. Correct. Because it wasn't, it was Disney paying for the maintenance of the roads, the infrastructure, and the like the fire department. Not only that, it's actually, so I uh, hear this a quote from the governor of Florida. It said that this legislation ends Disney's self-governing status May Disney live under the same laws as everybody else and ensures that Disney pay its debts and fair share of taxes. It's very funny. He made it sound like, oh, this is like not fair to the state of Florida. But as a matter of fact, most country and most local government, they willing to sign tax deal to attract big corporation, especially status like Disney, so that they can lend their headquarter. Um, it benefits the local government. Um, community as well. I mean, you think mm -hmm. about how many millions of family travel to state of Florida to go to Disney and with that, uh, how many restaurants, how many hotels built on top of that, the entire tourist industry was sort of developed around Disney. Yep. So yeah, the state of Florida definitely benefits from that deal as, as well. Um, I just want to give an example of some a bad deal 
because it can go both ways. It there all depends on the deal, how it's written. But uh, an example that's actually pretty close to home here in Wisconsin is that uh, during the Trump presidency, uh, Foxconn, which is one of the largest uh, suppliers for iPhones, Apple's iPhones, said that it was going to uh, develop a, a huge plant here in Wisconsin. And they, they uh, wrote a deal with the government of uh, the state government of Wisconsin. And 10, six, seven years later, not much has happened. <laughs> and uh, the state of Wisconsin really lost out, actually, as a result. So back to Disney. Uh, back in February 2022, so a year ago, the lawmaker in the Florida State House passed the uh, Parental Rights in Education Bill, also known as Don't Say Gay Bill. Mm -hmm. So because of that, obviously, they got a lot of pushback. And Disney was initially actually not willing to make a public stand on this. And they want to do some back-channel diplomacy to see if there's anything they can negotiate, but was uh, unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. So they they are actually quite heavily criticized um, how they handle this whole situation that not willing to make a public stand. And um, oh, of course, there are a lot of other reasons tangled with it, but eventually the former CEO was stepped down and they bought the uh, one of their old CEO. The prior back. CEO, Bob Iger, back back in to run things. Yeah. You seems to be happy with that decision. I'm happy for, about it for a, a number of, of reasons. Um, uh, for a lot of for a lot of good reasons and some bad reasons. Uh, Bob was bought brought in from Capital Cities, which was bought by Disney back in the 90s. And uh, they have a, an incredible capital allocation philosophy that I really approve of as a as an investor. Uh, but then the con is that Bob Iger postponed his retirement multiple times because he could not find succession right successor. Yes. Who and should he give the crown to? <laughs> so there is some there's some issues there in terms of that the crown, he really likes that crown, so to speak. In my opinion. This is my opinion. Um and and I think though that it's also a good thing in that in that Mr. Iger was very he was very in tune with relationships and it's possible that that this might not have happened as it did uh with the showdown between Disney and and the state of Florida that's not to say though that businesses shouldn't have an opinion about such social matters uh for example as i understand it um back when polio was a, a serious killer of people uh, when the polio vaccine was developed and, and out for use, I understand that a lot of U.S. business owners were uh, behind the use, be, behind people getting the polio vaccine. It really pushed it for their employees to get the polio vaccine. And as today, nobody dies from polio here in the U.S., if, if at all. So I think that there are examples of businesses stepping in for good causes but there's also examples of companies stepping in and pushing bad causes, depending on the person. I do believe that no matter if you are just an individual or your corporations, once you have grown to a certain size, that if you do have a deep power, you should step in 
for um, greater matters, for greater cause, and make a stand. That are good for the greater good. Right. Yeah. For, yeah. for sure. You have that almost a certain social responsibility. Mm. Um, back to Disney World. So uh, the Florida legislation allowed the uh, governor of Florida to take away Disney's special um, uh, tax zone status back in 2022. So initially, they want to completely dismember the special zone, but they later realized that they can't afford it because Disney is paying for, like we said, the fire department, the medical services, and the maintenance of the road, and the count the local county straight up cannot afford because for years they have been budgeting based on we don't pay for that. Mm. So now they can't afford it. So did you forget the debt part? Oh, they also, yes. And on top of that, they have um, over a billion U.S. dollars in debt, which if you dismember that special zone, the government have to pay for that as well. So Florida is responsible for it. Uh, instead, the governor of Florida has the right to point board members for Disney so for, essentially for the, for the tax district, not Disney. for the tax. Sorry, for the tax district, it yeah. essentially took that power back. Which is, I feel it's a little bit controversial because you think Disney World has too much power. Now you concentrate power to one person, which is the governor of Florida. Like, improvement? Technically, it's the five board members. Technically. But, but the governor. The government alone. I mean. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Not improvement. But that's basically <laughs> what happened. Uh, he has the right to appointed all five members of the board. And they also, as I understand, take certain special rights back. Like, for example, they no longer, Disney no longer has the right to build a nuclear power plant. Oh, I didn't hear about it. Which that. in the past, they has that right. Oh, wow. Yeah, hmm. so. Okay. So that's what happened so far. What has Disney done in response? <laughs> I'm sorry, it makes me giggle. <laughs> So uh, first, I want to address why did Florida's government take back control? Uh, they they wanted to have the stated comments by the state of Florida and also the governor uh, allude to that they wanted to have more control over Disney's expansion of their parks within Florida. And certain comments by the governor specifically implied that the government wanted more control over Disney's content within the parks. Ooh, freedom of speech no more. It's <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting. So <clears throat> what did Disney do in response to this? It makes me giggle. <laughs> so in January and February of 2023, this year, the district's board with the old members, not the members that were going to be appointed by the governor, passed a proposal by Disney called the Declaration of Restrictive Covenants and a 30-year development contract that allows Disney zoning, infrastructure, and air rights for future parks expansion. So this declaration essentially takes the control back from the board that governs the tax district and reverts the control back to Disney. Yeah, so if you want one board member, okay, my board member no longer have power. <laughs> the, the only power that they have is just like basic infrastructure and water maintenance. Yeah. That's, that's it. 
but but here, here's where it gets here's where it gets good. So Disney appeared to follow state law, uh, including advertising their pro their proposals in the local newspaper twice. Uh, they let everybody know that they were doing this, but apparently this, the government was asleep at the wheel. So these agreements effectively leave the government approved members powerless. And the new members plan on attempting to nullify or sue to block the newly passed agreement. This is unlikely to succeed because in order to nullify it, then that would prompt a legal challenge from Disney for an attempted nullification. And if they were to attempt to block the newly passed agreements, technically speaking, the party who would want to sue to do that would have to be the residents of the district, <laughs> which just so happened to be Disney's employees. <laughs> right? That is quite genius. <laughs> <laughs> So what's been in the news about uh, that's that's been in the news about this particular issue is what's called it's now becoming called the King Charles III clause. So what this is, is that this clause was utilized in the Declaration of Restrictive Covenants, which governs not only what the board can do, but can also what also governs the agreement, the 30 year land development agreement. So. It's, it, it is a unique time period term assigned to the declaration, which either lasts for perpetuity, that means forever, or in the event that perpetuity is struck down by the courts, it states until the, it will last, that this, this clause will last, that, excuse me, that the declaration will last until 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England. <laughs> Which is most likely not going to happen. No, it's not. No, that's basically a safer <laughs> way to say forever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because when you think about uh, how, that, just that clause, like what that actually means, that means that all descendants of King Charles III would have to be wiped out. So barring a nuclear attack or a terrorism attack, where the entire family is in one place, even at the, the which they don't really do. They that. don't do that for security yeah. reasons, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that like even the smallest descendants, like from the the wayward branches of the family, yeah. are it, not going to. It's not just a direct descendant. Mm -hmm. It's like the entire family tree has to be wiped out yep. in order for this agreement to be invalid. Mm -hmm. It's most likely not going to happen, right? So. What's so special about this this clause is it then means that everything that was stated within the Declaration of Restricted Covenants is bound by this clause, if not perpetuity. And some of these clauses, this is where it's essentially how how Disney is taking back control is it essentially is taking back control of its entire brand. So the the district's properties have to be signed off essentially on how they're developed and maintained by Disney in the sense that they can't use anything related to Disney. They have to conform to Disney's requirements. Disney has to give approval or has to sign an agreement with the district and will likely charge for that right for, for the district to advertise, to market Disney World. 
So the district has no control over Disney's likeness or content. So the, the, the implied comments of the governor stating that, hey, they wanted to have control over the content of what was in Disney's parks ain't going to happen. So this, this isn't like the first time that this has happened in company in, in companies before. I mean, companies can utilize restrictive covenants of such nature all the time. They just really uh, got creative with the King Charles III clause. I have to, so my hat's off to them. Do you have any summary for this episode? Um, it's hard to state the summer without really having an opinion on the events. <laughs> so I would Go say- Go lightly. <laughs> so, let's tread lightly, yes. So I would say that this 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 isn't over. I think that the Disney and the state are going to be battling this out for years to come. Uh, unfortunately, at ex an expense to taxpayers as well as to Disney shareholders. So with that, uh, thank you for listening and watching Critical Thinking Required. And we hope you have a good day. Bye. Like, like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.